Welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we're talking about the topic of change management. Change management is something that comes up time and time again as I talk with service leaders because it is an area where a lot of projects fall down. Um, I'm joined today by a change management expert, Henrietta Havisto, Head of Service Transformation Change Management for Kone Corporation. Henrietta, welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. Thank you, Sarah, and hello. Uh, Henrietta and I had the um, the good fortune to meet each other at Field Service Europe um, at the end of, of 2019. We were on a panel together and um, uh, I loved what she had to say about this topic and a lot of her experience and expertise. And I'm thrilled that you uh, agreed to, to be a guest on the podcast and share that with our listeners. I think it's it's wonderful that Kone has a leader of change management. Um, like I said, it's an area that, that companies, despite knowing how important it is, still tend to fall down on. Um, and, and it's super important. So tell us a little bit about your journey to this role and what your role at, at Kone entails. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Sarah. And, and first of all, thanks so much for having me because this is, as you said, a super important topic. And I'm so happy to share some some experience if, if they help anybody out there listening. So um, actually, my journey, well, I've always been really curious about like what differentiates successful companies. So earlier on in my career as a management consultant, I actually worked with a lot of uh, clients optimizing business models, operating models, you know, executing strategies. And what really surprised me was that most companies actually have pretty similar type of initiatives ongoing, like regarding internal development or strategy execution. But what really differentiated like successful companies was their ability to execute them. And they're actually people and change play a key role. So, so human capital is really an asset for a company if used correctly. And in, like earlier on, I wasn't really too much interested in, in the people part so much because I'm actually a mechanical engineer myself. So I was more interested in, well, you know, how can we use technology to actually enable companies improve their performance? Uh, but then I also got a degree in business to actually deepen my understanding on, on how to sell, how to create value um, with these different products and services. But at the same time, also, like, how can we lead to results through people? And, and in my current role as, as the uh, head of uh, service transformation change management at Kone, uh, global maintenance business, my role is actually now to ensure and, and, that, and drive for benefit realization in our transformation and, and our transformation is all really about, at the end of the day, creating an unparalleled customer experience for our customers. And, and we really want to do that by putting the customer in the center of everything we do, you know, capturing the digital opportunity and, of course, leveraging a culture of service mindset across our changes. And, and that's where really like people and change management play a key role and, and, and where we can really, you know, break it or make it in practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's a um, a very good description, and I know on your LinkedIn profile it says specifically. Um, I noticed the term people centric change management. So, what does people centric change management mean, and how would that differ from maybe other types of of change management? Yeah, well, that's that's actually a great question, um, and. 
actually what's happened maybe in the last five years, uh, we've actually seen a lot of uh, companies putting really a lot of focus on actually, you know, developing and and, and improving, for example, operational excellence through tools and methods. But at the end of the day, the focus is really a lot on those tools and methods, but we actually forget about the end user or the customer totally. And and what we've actually seen in the last five or so years is that there's really been a shift overall to actually approaching these developmental topics by really putting the user and the people in the center, meaning that, you know, we're actually asking, well, how does this actually help the person to do their job better? Or how does this actually you know, provide the customer much more value than before and engaging the people, the end users, the customers actually in the process of developing and creating that change. So kind of doing it with people instead of doing it to people. Mm-hmm. So, so that kind of, I would say, in a way, you know, would summarize this people-centric as in, um, as in, in very practice compared to, for example, you know, process or or tool oriented change approach. Okay. Yeah, that that makes sense and I think that um you know, I've certainly heard stories from companies that have maybe not taken that approach and mm-hmm. and had it not go well. And I think you know, that's because people are smart, right? And I think people really have a sense for you know, when they feel valued and and included and versus you know the idea of having change management as sort of a you know a a box that needs checked but maybe isn't being done sincerely mm. right i i think people are are smart enough to feel that difference um they are i and i fully agree there and i actually like i think it's also like when when we talk about the services and we talk about field force as well it's it's the people on the field who actually work in that environment with our customers every single day right so they know what works and what doesn't they know like what they would change in their way of working every day what could improve it they also know like from the customer perspective what could be done differently. So it's also like a really great source of input for really trying to understand also like how can we execute our strategy better or like what could be potential new leads on what can we improve internally as well, for example, Mm -hmm. with our product and services. I think sometimes my sense is that sometimes companies – know that, but, but maybe don't put it into practice because it's a lot of work. I, it, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's a lot of work to take that input, really listen, really determine, you know, what the commonalities are and, and what maybe does need to change from the frontline perspective versus, you know, a top-down approach. It's a lot easier to just say, well, we know best and here's what we think needs to happen and how do we just get people bought into, you know, our own opinion. Um, I, what are your what are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, that's exactly what I've seen and, and referring back to like my own experiences with different companies. I mean, that's what really differentiates like the successful companies from each other is where they see 
this part as an investment as well. So an investment to actually, uh, or an opportunity to actually really speed up the benefits realization, because um, a lot of companies currently, I think they put a lot of effort on developing things and, and a lot of investment on that. But then on the execution part, it's really easy to cut this part out because actually like building a business case and, and like a monetary business case to kind of demonstrate this, um, it's very difficult. And and people actually, it's it's like really difficult to also explain what the payback would be in a way if we do it or if mm-hmm. we don't do it. And and I think that's that's kind of like, uh, also, what I've seen is that in companies who really invest, and there's different ways you can do it. I mean, you can, you know, you can set up internal channels, or you know, you can you can um, have these, you know, town halls, or you can have meetings on the field, making sure you collect all the input. So you can really do it. But of course, that's that's an investment and a conscious mm-hmm. decision as well to do it. Uh, but I remember still, like, and you know, when you do an or you would do, for example, an offer on I don't know an SAP system implementation. I mean, the first thing that you know a client would cut out of the offer is the change management part. You know, we don't need the training, we don't need actually this part. Let's just get to go live. You know, we'll just have some screenshots of the tool. You know, we're good to go. No worries. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, because you're changing the way people think and the way they work in practice, and that takes time, right? So you need to be able to invest time there as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a good point. And I think it's it's an, an even more critical aspect of uh, what companies need to do now, because I just think back, you know, let's say 10 years ago in this space i mean the the service process the service mm-hmm. um delivery was pretty consistent it was the introduction of technology that was quote unquote the change right yes. and so you know there's a certain level of change management that needs to come along with that but it was in retrospect, somewhat simple, right? And today's landscape, there is so much changing. It's not just a new technology. It's, it's, you know, the way service is being delivered is changing. What customers are expecting is changing. The role of the field technician itself is changing. The technology is still changing, you know? So it's, it's just amplified so much at this point that, you know, I, I don't see how companies can succeed in, in the world we're in today without putting a lot more effort into, you know, in, into their people and into managing all of that change. And, and you're absolutely right there. And it was like, I think it was maybe, yeah, it was probably 10 or 15 years when like the service profit chain was first introduced. And that was really all about, you know, that happy, happy employees equals happy customers. So you need to take care of your people, your service people so that they deliver that great experience to the customers. But it, it is, as you said, then the focus much was much more on that kind of like implementing the technology and driving the change mm-hmm. through that. And I think now we're 
learning also from like the customers and the experiences that they, you know, we're all living in an experience world, right? So people are like, mm-hmm. you know, the, is it like the age of experience or is it the age of consumerism is, is like that hot topic. So I think that's also reflecting, especially into the services um, business and the services side on like, do we, you know, how do we create these experience, both of course, like the customer experience but then the employee experience as well. And there are field forces like in a really key, key position as well. Absolutely. So when we talk about people-centric change management, there's a couple of words that come to my mind when I think of you know, things that companies need to focus on if, if they want to really do change management in a way that will have a positive impact. So um, a couple of them... Uh, one is authenticity. And that goes back to what I said, where, you know, I think people can sense if you're doing something just to check a box um, and, yeah. and not really with the the intention of, of caring behind it. Um, another is consistency. Uh, another is agility, right? I mean, right. today's pace is so fast, you know, you it's you not only need to be able to do this, but you need to be able to do it in a pretty agile way. Um, what do you think about those words and, and what would you add to that list in terms of things that, um, that companies need to focus on? Well, I think like authenticity is really a key driver for success and change because it is, as you can, people can sense, people are not stupid. They can really sense the fear being true. And, and I think it's also this age of like, you know, thanks to social media and other, you know, technological advan- advancements where everything is a bit more transparent so, so like about 10 to 15 years, um, you know, the way we communicated about different things, initiatives, it was very different. Now everything is basically available to everyone at any given time. So, so they're even like doing what's right and being authentic constantly is really, really key um, because, you know, you risk losing your credibility if, if you're not. Um, as in consistency, I think that's also like really one of those things where I constantly think or, or or say as well that it's really a key success factor because in a way when you think about change it's it's all about creating that inspiring vision as well you know where we're heading but then it gets tough because then you need to actually execute that vision right uh, so you know put the strategy in practice and to be able to do that you need to have consistency and the consistency, I think, comes really in like, you know, repeating the messages, consistency and, I don't know, aligning the targets and, and the KPIs, uh, consistency and planning the change. But it's also like consistency in how you actually reward and recognize people along the way. Because um, I think that also creates this um, environment of psychological safety where people actually are known to perform better as well. Um well, agility, I think, well, that's probably one of the buzzwords of, of recent years. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I look at it maybe a bit differently because I look at it for, you know, that, you know, change is all about the ability to deal with actually uncertainty. So both on an individual level, but also on a corporate level as well. So so the best way to actually deal with uncertainty is to actually try to identify different scenarios, you know, what could happen, how can we really make this change happen, what could block us, what's enabling us. And, and by doing this, we actually, you know, bring 
and, and get certainty to actually how we're going to make this happen. And, and this in turn like brings us agility because then we're able to quickly adapt our plans to the new situations. So, so typically I haven't like seen a change that would ever have gone by the plan. But then it comes to like, how agile are you to actually then adopt your approach and, and actually get the change done, whatever you're looking for. Um, I was yeah, thinking about like, what would I add to the list? Um, what I actually see now, I would add emotions. Um, so, so kind of like the engineer in me would like to, you know, engineer and, you know, create mechanisms, you know, to put in place to make sure that, you know, we just execute these changes, we, we make it happen in practice and there's no, nothing stopping us. But, you know, the reality is that, um, change is really about people and people have feelings. And, and especially in this age where we see, and we have really great cases actually where artificial intelligence is is the use is, is rising you know uh, human versus technology actually is like it's it's one plus one is three so it's it's actually they're really great cases where it can work but they're also this kind of emotional side and, and emotional intelligence and, and change management I think that's really something that we still need to work quite a bit on um, because that's that's also when we're talking about changing the way of, of thinking of people and the way of working of people in practice what's what's potentially blocking that behavioral change? is the way they react emotionally to what's expected of them. I think that's a, I think that's a great addition. Um, and, and a very important aspect of this, you know, it's looking at, at your strategy and realizing that it's not just a strategy. It's, it's people's lives, it's people's feelings, it's people's emotions. And, you know, that, that throws a curveball in, in <laughs> things, but it's, it's, you know, kind of the root of it all, right? I mean, if you yeah. can master the art of, of considering those feelings and, and making people feel valued and respected, you know, you're 90% of the way there. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the intersection between a solid change management strategy and mm-hmm. a successful execution. Yeah. Um, well, I might be a bit provocative here, but you know, I would say that like the best change management strategy is no change management strategy. And and what I mean by this is that you know there should be only one strategy, like the company strategy, and then you have just different ways to execute it. You have different initiatives where you just execute it in in practice, and and you know the underlying assumption being here, of course, that you know the strategy was created for a reason and and with the kind of objective of bringing some type of a change or a transformation so so by by actually then you know when we decide how do we want to execute the strategy we should have all these kind of change management actions already built into it so the why are we doing this what are we going to do how are we going to do it in practice so that it's actually like really inbuilt and not treat it as something separate. Because what I hear quite a bit is, you know, we have the company strategy here, uh, and then we have change management. And I'm like, well, you know, when we're talking about strategy execution, those things, those two things should be just like completely tied together if you want to really successfully drive it. So, so you shouldn't be just talking about what you're doing, 
but while you're doing it, what are you going to do and how are you going to get there? And then, of course, build around the people um, as well. That makes sense. What about tips for for executing? I mean, is there mm-hmm. is there certain best practices or or certain um, aspects that you feel are are really important to executing well? I think, um, yeah, definitely. There's uh, first of all clarity. So we need to be like really clear on on why are we doing this? What are we trying to achieve? How are we going to get there? And I know I'm repeating myself a little here, but it's actually um, really common to see that it's actually quite unclear to everyone um, involved why we're doing something. Everybody just assumes that somebody else knows but unless you're like really clear about what are we trying to do and breaking that down into solid, you know, deliverables or actions with clear owners, you know, clear follow-ups, um, that's the way you actually kind of install it as part of the, the kind of normal way of working and that everyday life to make change happen. Um, then I think prioritization is another thing. Because I think, you know, when we talk about change management, typically, you know, we might think, well, it's just my program or it's just my strategy execution or it's just this bit. But the reality is that, you know, and when we talk about, for example, our field people, they're hit by so many changes constantly because, you know, it's rarely a company has just one department working just on developing, I don't know, tools or, or new services or such. But typically in a, car, a certain size company, you actually have a lot of different programs developing different types of initiatives and, and, and those kind of um, pro- projects that hit then, for example, a field technician. And, and there to be able to like really prioritize and bring that clarity on, you know, what, what do we need to do first? Or how can we bundle these changes together? Or, you know, what's really critical for our customers that we get it done as quickly as possible? How can we best help them to succeed them? Or, you know, from our people perspective on the field, what would help them the most? And then using that as a way of, you know, prioritizing and bringing that clarity as well in making sure that we execute um, successfully. Good. What are some of the most common change management mistakes you see companies making? Um, I, I know we've alluded to a few in, in the conversation, but maybe you know, recapping the 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 top few um, big ones. Yeah. Well, I, I think yeah, it's probably related to a bit to my earlier point, but there's really I I see a lot of companies um, really forgetting the customer, really forgetting the people, so. It's really about constantly keeping the eye on the ball. So really, like, why do we exist as a company? You know, typically it's because we do have customers who are, you know, who we want to serve as best as we can or who want to, you know, provide world-class services to, who, who we want to help every single day. Um, you know, why do we have people? Well, you know, they're there to do a job or like they all have a role to play in, in one way or another. So, you know, 
how do we make sure that we actually engage them and, and how do we make sure that we're really also focusing on making their lives easier so that they can focus on what they're good at, which typically then is like taking care of the customers or in the case of field technicians, you know, these guys and girls love taking care of the equipments. Um, so it's it's making time for that. Um, but then also what I see is is kind of also recapping a bit on like companies really putting a lot of um, money on the table um, to invest on the development of the solutions and the services. But then once, you know, you have that goal live, it's like, goodbye, let's take the next development. And then people are left alone with dealing with what do I do with this tool or hang on, what am I meant to do? Like, what's the new way of working really? Hey, what do I stop? You know, because you have that old way of working typically there as well. So what do I stop? You know, how do I move ahead? What do I do tomorrow? And 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 in the meanwhile, companies are just like typically going on and, and hey, let's start working on the second development or the third development or just going ahead. So really finding that time also to really be on that go live point to be there. And, and that's like, I think, when the change really begins in practice. That makes sense. Um you know, I mentioned earlier, we talked a little bit about, you know, the the shift from sort of incremental change in just the introduction of a new technology or tool mm-hmm. to really more of a fundamental change with, you know, how rapidly the world of service is is evolving today. How do you think that will impact what's needed in terms of change management from this point forward? Um, well, you're absolutely right, sir. I think there's there's definitely that fundamental shift ongoing. Um, I think what's really changed a lot in the past few years is, you know, this whole technological development is just increasing at a crazy speed, right? So, so it used to like technology used to be for many companies like a competitive di- differentiator in practice. Um, but I think what I've seen is that you know it's it's more and more difficult for companies just to you know compete with that anymore. And and then comes like, well, what would be your competitive advantage in services? And and I think that's where it comes down to people, right? So that mm-hmm. human capital asset that all companies have, and and especially in service business, you know, which is people business, it really means that we need to approach this whole, you know, change management through the people. And really think about it through the people and not the technology um, around us. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. Um, that that's a really good point. You know, it, it's really the the more the use of technology is increased, the more the human aspect becomes the differentiator, right? And and that yeah. again is just a significant shift. Um, so it's, it's all very interesting. Um, what other advice or thoughts do you have for our audience uh, on this topic in, in closing? Um, well, I actually get quite a lot of questions on like, you know, hey, you know, we have this change management or we're trying to execute the strategy, but what can I as a leader do to actually drive this change in practice? Mm-hmm. And, and um and by a leader here, I just want to be clear. It's it's it can be just like a team leader. It can be somebody on the field leading leading, or it can be a, even a technician who's like the the leader of the pack. 
And, and my answer is always, you know, start with yourself. Start by looking in the mirror. It's, it's kind of like, you know, you know, you're sitting in the airplane and, and, you know, you have the emergency instructions and, and, you know, you need to start by putting that mask on first on yourself um, to be able to help others. And I think this is where it comes down to like this as a leader, you need to be so clear on the why, you know, we're doing this, you know, what do we want to achieve? Uh, what are we going to do in practice? Um, how are we going to make it happen? Because if you're not clear in this, people will sense your lack of confidence as well. And and that comes back to the point of being authentic. You know, are you being authentic about it? Because, you know, as a leader, people are actually constantly looking at you. They're paying attention to your, you know, tone of voice, your behavior. Like, does it really, does your body language support what you're saying? And, and you know, they're really asking themselves, well, is that person really role modeling that new way of thinking, that new way of working mm-hmm. in practice that they're actually preaching us to go towards to? So, because I really believe that, you know, at the end of the day, people might forget what you actually said, but they'll always remember how, how you, you actually as a leader behaved and how you made them feel at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that can sometimes really, you know, make or break on whether people have the trust to actually shift to that new way of working and, and, and thinking in practice. That's an excellent point. Are there any um, favorite resources you have for for leaders in terms of inspiration on this topic? You know, I would think just how to how to maybe not so much on the strategy side, but sort mm-hmm. of that human aspect, like how to stay inspired, how to you know, focus on their own commitment and to be able to share that with their employees? Um, I think, well, I'm really happy, actually, that there's really some great resources around. So, for example, I think, you know, just by watching TED Talks, for example, so there's really great stuff from Simon Sinek, for example, on that, you know, why, what, how, um, always start by asking why. Um, there's really great stuff about, like, if you want to look at the emotional side and uh, on with Brené Brown, for example, you know, Dare to Lead, um, really, really great um, food for thought there. I think um, actually Harvard Business uh, Review has recently published some really interesting research and articles on this topic as well. So I, I personally follow them quite a bit. Um, also, I think what's what's available, like new books coming out, um, new research, which is really actually focusing also a lot on this like happiness aspect. <laughs> so, so I think it's also a sign of this like a, a shift from this kind of um, in the age of like you know what are customers and people expecting? Uh, people are more in the search of happiness, and and mm-hmm. I see this also kind of in the sense that people are having more and more difficulties in like separating their work and their you know free time so it's much more mingling mm-hmm. together so so researching and reading about these topics as a leader can actually then maybe give some food for thought only you know what's that one thing you want to do this year what's that one thing you want to change in your leadership style um to be more you know impactful and in, in driving change yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point. I mean, it would be really difficult to provide that sense of authenticity if you are not feeling inspired yourself. 
you know, I mean, again, it goes back to just, you know, if it feels false, it's going to be hard for people to get on board with. And, and as a leader, finding those sources for your own inspiration, you know, would be, would be really important. Yes. Fully agree. Good. Well, Henrietta, thank you so much for being here and, and for sharing your, your wisdom and your insights. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Sarah. It was really a pleasure to be here. And I, I just love the work you're doing uh, overall and, and, you know, hosting these podcasts. They've been a source of inspiration for myself. So thank you for putting your time and energy into them. Well, thank you very much. For anyone listening, if you would like more information on change management and all other topics related to the world of field service, you can check out our content at www.futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn and Twitter at The Future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS service management by visiting www.ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.